Jedi Council is a podcast for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council podcast where we like to explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. This is your graduate student co-host, Brandon Saxton. And your associate professor co-host, Katie Gordon. How are you doing today, Dr. Katie Gordon? Well, it's mixed. On one hand, I'm feeling very inspired because I watched this video of Dr. Letamendi, who does the Arkham Sessions mm-hmm. podcast, which for those of you out there who have not listened to this podcast, if you like Batman and Batman the Animated Series, then and even actually I haven't watched the whole series. I've watched mm-hmm. a lot of them because I know how much you love the mm-hmm. series. But Arkham Sessions, that's what it's called, right? Yep. Okay. Um, Dr. Letamendi and her co-host go through each episode and talk about psychological factors in it. And it's every episode I've listened to I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so she did a kind of talk slash interview with her podcast co-host through the American Psychological Association, and she posted the video for it yesterday, and it was so cool to listen to because she talks what she calls about her origin story, about becoming a clinical psychologist and how that's been integrated with kind of her geek interests, I guess, and how they've kind of come together and how it's been meaningful and impacted her as a psychologist in a positive way to have these kind of geeky interests and how those came to be. And so I think it's worth linking to because I just found it really cool and definitely made me excited to come back and podcast because I related to a lot of the things she was saying about it. About That's awesome. One of the things she said is that a big part of it is putting psychological science out in a lot of domains and not just keeping it confined mm-hmm. within one area, like within a university or yeah. within a clinic setting. And so I just love that idea. So anyway... That's good. That's good. The downside, I'm just a little concerned about the hurricane, and people have already been affected by those things. So Mm. if you're out there and you're in the pathway or have been affected by the fires and other kinds of things, just know that um, we're thinking about you, and I know that's not enough to help you, but I just hope that you all are know that you're in our thoughts, and we hope that things um, work out as best as they possibly can. Yeah, that was really nicely said. Thanks. I wish I could do more than that though. Yeah. I guess, you know, honestly, there are ways to donate which has been helpful too. I was toying around with the idea and I probably should have asked you about it off the air instead of on the <laughs> air, but maybe we can just workshop it here mm-hmm. of doing some kind of fundraising or even if we did another one of our classic giveaways mm-hmm. but instead of retweeting if you just donated a dollar, mm-hmm. we would put you in for like a Pop Funko figure. That's something a like good that. idea. And and we don't have a huge like listener base, but even if we raise just a little bit to donate, I think that would be. It's a good idea. There's a there is a lot of need. So yeah, and I think and it's also been pretty heartwarming to see how many people have gone out of their way to um, in the community to make things as good as they can. Like I saw um, one news story about a group of hairdressers that were people who were kicked out of their houses just to even feel better about themselves or you know they were doing their hair like something as simple as that but to try to make it better i know Brene brown was Mm -hmm. a psychologist she's a psychologist isn't she i think so or is she a social worker well 
You know, this is what happens when we go off script. Yep, I should have asked you before we started recording. But that's okay. She's an American scholar, author, and public speaker who is currently a research professor at University of Houston okay. at the College of Social Work. Anyway, she's been also been doing some things and helping out with her community there. So I think that even though these kind of disasters, of course, are terrible, and some people are very negatively impacted and even lose their lives from this, I think that one of the the parts that is always means a lot to me is to see people coming together. And I've actually um, done a little research on this, just looking at when we've had floods in mm-hmm. Fargo. We had, I think the biggest one was in 2009. Yep. Were you here for that flood? Oh, uh, no, that's the year before I came, actually. Okay. But I remember people from my hometown, which, of course, is only 90 minutes from Fargo, coming to help volunteer with uh, the efforts. Yeah. So it's, you know, it was a bad situation, and but there was actually some suggestion that for people who volunteered and helped out, they felt more connected to the community. Mm -hmm. They felt more self-efficacy, like they were contributing positively to the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think seeing that kind of resilience in the face of that is heartwarming. And none of this has anything to do with Rick and Morty. And you may be regretting the open-ended question. But those are all the things on my mind. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm going to continue the open-ended question. Another thing that uh, my advisor, Paul, just popped into our Mm -hmm. office and told us, maybe you heard this, I've seen this happening across different programs, but specifically for psychology PhD programs, I saw various labs uh, opening up, being willing to take students uh, whose studies were impacted by the hurricane and, oh, and cl- wow. come and join our lab and we'll just kind of keep your progress towards your PhD going. And I also saw the same for like uh, biology programs and stuff like that where it's like, oh, do you need lab space? Do you need someone to watch your fruit flies for a mm-hmm. while? Like, we can do this. So oh, that's it, really that's, nice, That's too. great to see people stepping up like that. It really is. And I have seen also um, some media attention to the importance of mental health professionals and social workers mm-hmm. going out and helping people, especially those who have completely lost their homes, have oh, no yeah. flood insurance, or who have lost people that are close to them or were in dangerous situations um, because we know from previous natural disasters that there is an elevated risk for some people mm-hmm. have seen those things to have trauma-related yeah. mental health issues. And so I think it is important as, as people passionate about mental health that we pay attention to how we can help about those things. And, of course, we're focusing on some things in the United States mm-hmm. worldwide. Right, absolutely. A lot of There's these lot things going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier to pay attention to the things closest mm-hmm. to us, but um, also thinking about people who've had experienced things all around the world, mm-hmm. flooding. and Oh, absolutely. It's, it's rough. Yeah, it's a rough time right now. Mm-hmm. It's a really rough time for a lot of people. So, so one of the things, if I can bookend it a Please. little bit, uh, that Dr. Letamendi actually, that I really drew from listening to her talk was she was saying one of the things that helps her from feeling burned out when helping people were facing these really difficult stressors. And I believe she's worked with veterans and Mm -hmm. people who have been in all kinds of difficult situations is part of it is her doing her podcast and having kind of her creative stuff allows her to be a more effective psychologist because she was saying that it's kind of renews her spirit having this kind of creative thing on the side that's really fun rather than getting burnout. And I mm-hmm. thought that's a great way to put it. And so it talks about like you can take care of other people well if you're also taking care of yourself. And mm-hmm. so I thought that was a great take home point from that too. Yeah, it's really nice and good motivation to keep going with this project. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also a little bit 
of a transition from why we're talking about serious natural disasters and then we're going to talk about Rick and Morty. Right, yeah, which is a bit of a jump. So, yeah. yeah. That's kind of where we're going. That was that. my transition. But how but, are you? That was really good. I'm doing uh, pretty well as well. Also, of course, always mixed feelings about everything that's going on and, and mm-hmm. just try to lift people's mood and help when you can and where you can. Um, one thing I did have, and I've been trying to think about what to call this, a Frasier update? Is there any way to combine those words? Not really. <laughs> Frasier date is kind of... A fray date, but no one would date. know what that yeah, means. That's, that's tough too, isn't it? <laughs> Frasier watch? Maybe that? Okay. Frasier watch 2017? I'll take it. Uh, I'm still liking Frasier. Oh, that's is the fantastic sub, Which, of too. course, is probably not surprising, because the show's so good. Of course, I'm, I'm glad. What, where are you at in Frasier? I'm cruising up uh, to season five, so I've slowed down. Okay. I'm just about to season five now. My, I watched those first four seasons in an incredible amount of time. Mm-hmm. Realized I really need to get my dissertation done this year. <laughs> Thought I should probably do a little <laughs> less Frasiering and a little more writing in the last week. So my progress on Frasier has slown, but my progress on my dissertation has picked up. Well, I'm glad so. to hear that there is an inverse correlation I find between my academic work and my TV consumption, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. I wish there was somehow just infinite time to Mm -hmm. do both which would be nice but i am glad to hear you're still enjoying it because i think there are a lot of things we can talk about with regard to fraser on this here podcast yeah i won't dig too far into it now because but i also agree with you i think that i was thinking about fraser a little bit here i am digging into it and like it's a good show (laughs) you're not gonna get much resistance from me (laughs) it's like literally i watch it it probably six out of seven days of the week and like i said a lot of the time it is right before i go to sleep because it's what i'm used to Mm -hmm. now our listeners know it's it's so good and i was (laughs) thinking about like i was trying to think about fraser and what i know about Mm -hmm. him so far from the first four uh seasons four and a half seasons like is fraser like someone to emulate in some ways in some ways, he's definitely not, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was thinking back to our ethics episode, and we probably could have talked about Frasier a little mm. bit. And I really liked, like, on the episode where Frasier uh, discourages uh, a relationship between two people because he's dating the woman. Yes, yes. And I really like the conversation that Niles has with him. Like, yes. you can't do that. That's that's horrible. And I do also, like, also related ethics, some of the stuff between Frasier and Niles mm-hmm. where they'll, like, try to talk about things and, like, well, here, I'll just be your uh, psychiatrist for a minute, and then you can tell me it. And it's like They find loopholes, yeah. and then yes. the other loophole they frequently use is, no, that would p- be completely violating this central point of confidentiality, but if we're consulting, then we're not violating <laughs> yeah. that confidentiality. So it does have some of those jokes, which I'm surprised that, I mean, I don't know how much is the live audience. Obviously, their delivery is a huge part right. of the county part but to me that's so specific i don't know that i would find that yeah. as amusing if i wasn't in a mental health profession. absolutely so, so anyway they definitely and there's enough of that where they'll have like i think you probably saw this episode but Roz and he get in a fight about mm-hmm. her how good how important she is when and she he quits kind of, the show yes, yes and he really loses his temper yeah. and so she says something like the only thing you're great at is curing insomnia or something <laughs> yeah. like that She's a great character. So really anyway, funny. they do throw in sometimes like specific diagnoses mm-hmm. too. And so, yeah, it's a great show. It's a good show. I'm glad to have the update. Yes. So expect more to come. Frasier Watch. Any listeners out there like Frasier? If not, check it out. See if you like it. Yeah, it's really good. It is. It's okay, fun. this is my last thing before we actually sure. start talking about Rick and Morty. <laughs> I saw a rumor floating around today that The Office is coming back in 2018. Have I saw this? that and I am... Um, 
nervous. I'm skeptical. I mean, not not like natural disaster nervous. Right. Like, I mean, a different kind of nervous, like a TV nervous, yeah. to be clear. But it's like, I don't know. Did you read anything about no, it? No, did you? Yeah, a little bit. So apparently the premise is it's going to be in three parts. Oh. And the first part will cover Michael's life in Colorado and just kind of update us on what he's been doing. Is Steve Carell in it? That apparently. Okay, if he's in it, maybe they can pull yes. it off. I don't know. The second part is going to cover Jim and Pam's life where oh. they moved, which I think, I don't remember, is where, where they moved. Was it Arizona? Something like that, I think. It was somewhere in the south, I remember. And then the third part is Dwight and kind of his life as he's continuing to manage Dunder Mifflin. So that's what I've read. I don't know how much of that is true or not. It wouldn't surprise me just given how popular the yeah. show still is. Um, but I do get nervous for like the new season of Arrested Development that they had that I thought was kind of weak. Not bad, but kind of weak compared to the rest. That doesn't mean if you like it, no. it's a problem. Because I know he likes it and got upset when I mentioned that I didn't think it was as good as other ones. But I agree. Like, And I and I know there's another season of that coming out yes. through Netflix. And With everyone coming back. From yeah, Netflix, and I, en- so. I enjoyed it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just hard to revisit things that are so brilliant mm-hmm. like that. I mean... One exception is Frasier when they came back from Cheers, but that's because it was a yes. whole new show. I'm not going to go back to Frasier. I almost <laughs> did, but I'm, not, I'm going to resist. It really enters your psyche. It really does. <laughs> it's a main part of the way I think about the I'm, world. Now. I'm telling you. Oh, the moral of my Frasier story mm-hmm. was, though, of course, I talked about the bad things he did, but he also has a very nice like outlook on people. Yeah. And he wants to truly believe everyone means well. Yeah. So that's a nice thing. Yeah, I think, so. I, I agree with you. He definitely has some strong, he often does the right thing. Yeah. Even though there's always a bunch of interference in the way mm-hmm. he ultimately usually chooses to do the right thing yeah. and he has a very strong moral compass and that mm-hmm. keeps coming out as the show develops and he's faced with more situations sure so. such a good show we really need to start doing more phrase around this show. i would be <laughs> delighted but not today today we're talking about a different uh older less nice uh gentleman Named Rick Sanchez. Yes, and if you're still listening, thank you. How long has it been now? We haven't even, like... Oh, yeah, we're we're about 15 minutes in. (laughs) And we're just rolling into... Maybe in the summary I'll put skip ahead 15 minutes if you don't want to hear about general stuff. The association of whatever's on our minds. We usually get that out of the way before we start recording, but... I didn't use the formal way of free association, so if anyone in the mental health field is listening, I meant more of a casual association. Loose association of stuff. <laughs> Fraser. Fraser stuff. Exactly. I'm just going to try to combine all words with Fraser. <laughs> okay. We, we really need to talk about Rick. I'm yeah, we up. should. <laughs> okay. Rick Sanchez of Earth C137. We recently released a blog post about Rick, uh, and we also recently released an episode last week about the episode of Rick and Morty, Pickle Rick. So uh, check that out if you want. It really just breaks down the episode, primarily focusing on the family therapy uh, depiction or aspects, as opposed to the Pickle Rick uh, exoskeleton made of tiny animals Ah. part, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which Katie didn't enjoy as much. Well, found to be a little bit. I like the concept. It's just a a squeamish thing. It was graphic, for sure. It's just me. Um, and we should probably mention, we'll have more details about this, but we're excited that it looks like we're, tr- I think we can say this, right? We're planning so. to be on um, hashtag SPSM, which is suicide prevention, social media. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing they do. Every, they're back from their summer break. Yep. I think they've had a few episodes. Every Sunday at 9 p.m. Central Time, 
They talk about something mental health related. They've had a lot of wonderful guests, including Josue Cardona, Mm -hmm. um, who invented the Geek Therapy Network, and um, Dr. Ali Matu, and they've just had a number of great guests. And so anyway, we feel really lucky because on the 16th of September, no, that's a Saturday, the 17th of September, we are going to be on and we'll give more information about that if you want to tune in and they have expressed particular interest in rick and morty mm-hmm. so it's kind of so much rick and morty a lot of rick and morty I don't hopefully know you like it hopefully because we got a lot we, we i don't know if we'll have another episode on rick and morty we, i don't know either we could we we'll see how we'll, we'll see yeah. what we get to we'll by think, the time we can actually get on topic like today at this rate we're not going to ever get to <laughs> it's rick and morty. true uh, so anyway, today we're going to focus specifically on Rick as a character, um, and kind of just across the whole series, I think, and just kind of mm-hmm. what do we know about him, which isn't a terrible amount, I don't think, uh, in putting that blog post together, there was a lot of sort of digging, and, uh, there's some, like, there's even some, like, deception, so I had remembered, uh, and you might remember this, oh, have you seen the first episode of season three, where Rick escapes from prison? No, I, okay. I actually... Only from so I've watched a lot of season one and season two, though okay. I missed some of season two because I kind of fast tracked yes. to make sure I was ready. And then season three, I, I've seen from Pickle Rick on, okay. but not before then. So it starts with Rick escaping from okay. prison. Um, and a part of it is he shows like they're uh, the Federation is in his memories mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out how he made his portal gun. And he has the scene of where he was working on the portal gun and he decided to give up science and he wanted to have this uh, life with his wife and with Beth. And uh, then a bomb goes off and then that causes him to like make the portal gun. And I was like, man, so Rick didn't always have this personality that he had. He used to be kind of more family oriented. It, it wasn't even a real memory. He fabricated oh. the memory to trick the people who were trying to oh. steal the portal gun. So even, he even tricked me. Yeah. Because I didn't remember that part of it. I had to go back and I was reading through all the wiki pages and I was like, that wasn't even a real memory. So I had to like change some of our blog posts about Rick because I didn't even totally understand Oh, that reminds me a little bit of like the Joker telling Harley Mm -hmm. Quinn about his background or something to basically Mm -hmm. seem more sympathetic. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally made up. It was very similar. Yeah, it was just totally fabricated. So It's almost like they have certain things in common personality-wise. Yeah. Which we'll talk about. Specifically, maybe personality disorder-wise. I think (laughs) so. I think so. So overall, uh, do you like the character of Rick before we dive into some of his uh, psychopathology? So I think that I would not want him to be my grandfather. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just specifically, I remember Rick pulling down Morty's pants and pushing him down the stairs, letting him get captured by monsters, and like throwing him in lava. Yeah, I I would not want in real life, no, but... There is, but he's, he is funny. Mm-hmm. He is science mm-hmm. I do like that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want him as a client either based on that episode of him in therapy. So I don't find him real likable. He, his, the way that he's funny or the show is funny is probably the main thing that I like. Yeah. But, um, so I like the show, but yeah, I wouldn't pick him as like someone I admire mm-hmm. or want to hang out with in real life. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. He's not... We're kind of, like, in an era of, like, I don't think anti-heroes is the right mm-hmm. word, but, like, bad characters. Like, like not they're not written bad. They're just not good people, like the Walter Whites. And uh, there's, like, 80% of the people from Game of Thrones and Rick Sanchez. So it's kind of interesting. It, it really is. And I think that 
I I don't know what's responsible for that, but I think it's especially with people who have these kind of characteristics, people like to watch them, even mm-hmm. though again in real life you wouldn't really want to be friends with them. And I don't know what it is. I think I read. I actually think not to keep talking about Doctor Letterman here, but actually it does remind me of. I think it was she that wrote something a, a while ago about why we like these types of people. That it might be oh, that's like. Right. Um, some kind of we don't want to be like that but it's interesting to watch other people and Mm -hmm. she kind of made this argument a little bit about Harley Quinn although I think Harley Quinn in recent interpretations is has more redeeming qualities but it was kind of like this idea that we like someone it's interesting to us when someone so violates the norms Mm. uh, social norms of behavior and social expectations it kind of fascinates us and then maybe there's some part of us that wants to be free of that and i think Mm -hmm. that gets into some of the philosophy stuff people have talked about with this show oh yeah so so anyway yeah something to think about why people like watching someone even though it's not like they're nice right right there are like i have a really hard time kind of putting my finger on rick and trying to kind of really conceptualize them too because there are very far and few between some really redeeming moments for him too where he really shows genuine compassion for the people around him uh like for example you might if you remember the episode where uh time it sort of gets out of whack Mm -hmm. i think it's the first episode of season two and every time they aren't sure about a decision it splits reality again and again and at the end uh like the caller that will save them uh Rick, Morty breaks his, so Rick takes his off, puts it on Morty, and saves Morty and tells him, like, you know, just be better than I was, Morty. Uh, like that. That's a really nice, like, he saved Morty and, like, had this really genuine moment. Then after that, like, he, he flies down and gets his own car and saves himself and, like, yells at God, I think, if I remember right, which is outrageous. But, uh, so, I don't know. There's a few moments like that where, uh, he really, like, goes out of his way to do, to really help or, do something compassionate for the people around him. So I, I really sometimes have a hard time thinking about him because the things that he does are horrible. There's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I had a a colleague that I, that I well, he was a grad student that I worked with, and I've mentioned him before. We worked in a correctional facility together, and his research focused on things like psychopathy, mm-hmm. narcissism, antisocial personality disorder. And I learned a lot from him in talking about some of the clients that we saw because one thing that I had going into it as a new grad student was the idea that people who have antisocial personality disorder or maybe especially psychopathy, they're that they're always just doing horrible things. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, I couldn't even believe that anyone was truly like that in a way mm-hmm. because of my view of human nature. It was hard for me to imagine. And I've since... My, I have a more complex view of human nature since then, but it was helpful for him to point out to me, there's a range of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That um, one of the, the videos that I show my class, my abnormal psychology class when I teach about psychopathy is about the serial killer, uh, Richard Kuklinski, mm-hmm. the Iceman. And when I show it, one thing I point out to them is that he is an example of someone who's very high on psychopathy or who has an extreme version of antisocial personality disorder. So that most, many people who have that, most people have that mercifully don't behave that way. Even psychopaths, most of them are Mm -hmm. not violent, the research suggests. And so when I think about that, it makes me have like a broader view of someone who can have a general pattern of behaving, even if they have some exceptions where they have some affections. And even Kuklinski, I think I showed this in a class that you were in. I don't. Did you show your abnormal psychology? The it's the Iceman and the psychiatrist. It's like an HBO special. So he 
has some connection with his family members. It doesn't, it seems different, but mm-hmm. he clearly, he cares in a way about how his kids feel about him mm-hmm. and how his wife feel about him. It just feels different mm-hmm. in quality. And so I don't think that Rick Sanchez is like the Iceman or anything right. like that. But the point being that even someone who's that high level psychopathy who can do all these horrible things like killing people and lying and all these other stuff and have very low fear can occasionally show behavior that's not consistent with that Mm -hmm. and so it made me think a little bit differently in terms of that that are you know i don't know what's motivating those times that he's nice towards morty i don't know i mean he does seem to have some affiliation and connection with them and of course it's a cartoon character it's not a real person Right. right. It's not based right. off. I mean, I know it's a little off Doc Brown from Back to the Future, but it's not like he's obviously quite different yeah, than that. Yeah, His absolutely. hair is similar, but yeah, overall, that's about it. Overall, aesthetic is a little, a little <laughs> same, but, but generally not very similar. Yeah, his personality is not quite no. the same. So, so anyway, he, but it's rare that he has those moments. Yeah, right? it really is. And, and usually never where anyone can see. Like, yeah. he doesn't want people to know, I think. Yeah. Because even like when he turns himself in at the end of season uh, two, uh, he does that so his family, because he overhears Jerry say that he might uh, turn Rick in. And, and he does that himself to help his family so they can go and have a normal life, um, is what it seems like. Uh, ultimately, yeah. it turned out it was a scheme to get Jerry out of the house, I guess. But so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty messed up, right? Pretty like bad. it's I mean, it's definitely seems almost like altruistic, but obviously yeah. it's ended in divorce for, or separation anyway mm. for his daughter. Or another example uh is in the purge episode, which is another pretty graphic one. Uh when Morty uh at the end Rick tells him that like the way that he was behaving was because of the candy bar he ate. But then it shows the candy bar that doesn't have the Persianal in it anymore. So Morty was just acting that way of his own volition. But Rick protects him from that knowledge. Yeah. So it's just little things like that, you know. But it's still uh, that's still the point that you made is is right. You know, but it's it's hard. I, part of me wonders because I do think that we see this narrative a lot, and I wonder if it's back related to when we had Wendy Gordon on to talk to us about myths of bullying mm-hmm. that. It's really hard to get away from this idea that the mean bully secretly inside is insecure or secretly inside has a nicer side. And if they just had their needs met or something, they wouldn't be a bully anymore, which Rick certainly is a bully. Oh, absolutely. So, but there's something that's hard for us to totally swallow about that idea that there's someone who just (laughs) is mean through and through or something like that, you know. It's good to call back. That really does capture Rick's character pretty well. That's exactly. I don't. I don't really know if that's a cliche, an archetype, a trope, a trope. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I've never been clear that I'm using the word trope correctly, so I don't know. This isn't a vocabulary a podcast. Theme. <laughs> <laughs> we're okay as long as we're using words loosely in the right way. I think we'll be all right. Okay, uh, sounds good. <laughs> but you know, he does fit that really well. So anyway, yeah. All of that was to say, I have a hard time thinking about Rick sometimes, and even in the post, I think I made some errors. Someone tweeted and said, "No, I think he maybe does meet for psychopathy." And thinking about that afterwards, I was like, "Yeah, that might be right." And I think I have like a biased like. Try to think of Rick as being better than he maybe actually is, because I think 
that's my approach to a lot of people is trying to think that maybe they're better than they actually Especially are Especially like a grandfather figure, even though he's yeah. fictional. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard. I don't know. It's hard to square that someone would have no remorse yeah. for acting that way. Mm-hmm. But some people don't yeah. have any remorse mm-hmm. for acting that way. It's true. And some of it, actually, um, we go into this in more detail. I think maybe it's worth us talking about antisocial personality disorder and psychopathy as a subset. But we recently posted a video of a nerd night talk that we did that is very much about the etiology or origins of antisocial personality disorder and how that's different from psychopathy. So if you want to check that out, we tweeted a link to it. We could probably link to it in this too. But it talks about what are some of the genetic and environmental factors that seem to lead people down the path to antisocial personality disorder or psychopathy and our case example is Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, it's like a, I think it's 20 or 30 minutes with yeah, questions or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, that being said, maybe we should briefly say antisocial personality disorder which we've talked about previously, yes. but as as a very brief refresher in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, it is characterized by individuals it's antisocial because they're violating basic social norms like reciprocity um, morality Mm -hmm. responsibility Mm -hmm. so individuals are diagnosed with this because often it's related to aggressive criminal impulsive Mm -hmm. behavior and this is actually one of the disorders that's i would say is easier to diagnose for fictional characters than some of the other ones because most of the criteria in it are behavioral ones that you can observe. Mm-hmm. They're not focused as much on the personality. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're really trying to get into what, what is the motivation there, people might have very different opinions. But this diagnosis really focuses on, like, are they doing these things that violate social norms? Mm-hmm. And with Rick, we can see that in the cartoon that he mm-hmm. is doing. That. I mean, Going to jail, for example, would be a clear example, but also the aggressiveness, the manipulation, yep. the conning, um, and you detail them really nicely in the blog post of some specific examples of that. So they capture that, and then within that, there's a subset of people, a smaller group, within antisocial personality disorder that have what's called psychopathy, which you hear that word a lot, and that is more reflecting personality features and so that is a little bit harder to judge although there the psychopathy checklist is which was developed by hair i believe mm-hmm. is a good way of assessing that and that focuses more on the personality characteristics which I, I do think you see some of in rick one is the therapist notes that he's prone to boredom you see a lot of sensation seeking impulsive reckless behavior do you think he, you see callousness for sure. Oh, Do you think he has superficial charm? That's the one I really struggle with, actually. Um, so, like, certainly, like, with Beth, like, he can be very nice to Beth and, like, is very kind to her in the way he speaks about her. And, like, even in the pilot, he's just like, oh, like, these pancakes are great. I wish your mom was here. Um, so, particularly with her, he can definitely be kind, but you don't really see that with anyone else. So it's hard for me to, to put a, a real stamp on that and to say, yep, he has that superficial charm because I'm just not actually sure if that's the case. I, I think that he genuinely like likes his daughter, so I think he's just nice to her. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's trying to be charming to manipulate. Yeah, he has some kind of affection for her. And like you said, there aren't details, but he was absent from her life for 20 years. Yeah, I, I saw that as a different number in a couple of places, okay. but somewhere between like all, about all of Morty's life. Okay, so even that suggests, I mean, depending on the circumstances, Mm -hmm. this 
not fulfilling a responsibility as mm-hmm. a parent, and that certainly is violating a social norm, mm-hmm. and so you see that, but in a huge way, right? Oh, yeah. And some callousness connected mm-hmm. to that. Unless, I mean, I don't know, unless they reveal something that is some right. kind of great explanation as to why he would do that to protect his Which family Which they could someday. Yeah, they could. But yeah, just based on what we know now, halfway through season three. He, in the Vindicators episode, did not seem like he was charming. He seemed like a jerk. But basically, it's almost like he's so smart and can solve their problem that they have to work with him despite not liking him. Even Morty mentions that they had Vindicators 2. Yeah. And they weren't invited to be in it because of a personality conflict. And Rick kind of implies that it's because of Morty. And he's like, no, I think it was because of you. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just guessing here. And then he, Rick's like, yeah, I guess they like someone like you who's kind of an agreeable whatever mm-hmm. person. So, yeah, he doesn't... He almost seems like someone who doesn't need to bother with any social graces mm-hmm. because he just thinks his importance makes it such that people will want him there mm-hmm. for his abilities. And, yeah, absolutely. And that's it. You just reminded me of Dr. House again and how much like similarity there are between those two characters because you're exactly right. And like the weird part about the Vindicators 3 episode is then he's right. Like, yes. Drunkenly, yeah. he defeats World Eater and then sets up a series of elaborate traps for the Vindicators. Yes. So that's a weird part too. And that's another part of, of like all the conceptualizing that I did because like thinking about, well, does he have like a really grandiose sense of self? Not really. I think he has a pretty accurate assessment of his abilities, which are, like, amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. And we talked a little bit about this when we talked about Anakin Skywalker, that he thinks he is better than, mm-hmm. which the Jedi Council doesn't like, that he's better than other people. But in some ways, he is. Yeah, like, powerful. I'm not going to say the Amity Florian. No, ah, I said Oh, jeez. We'll we just lost out. all of our listeners. Yep. But, I mean, he does... I know Josue likes that too. Josue, I'm talking about all the stuff you you like. <laughs> um, and as Josue says, we don't want to yuck other people's yum. <laughs> no, that's true. So anyway, um, Annika does show this ability, no matter how it's measured, that he he is superior in something. So I don't know if it counts as grandiosity. Now, when it comes to therapy, could the therapist teach him some things he doesn't already know? I think so. He doesn't show any yeah. humility there. And so that might be an example. Like mm-hmm. he has, he knows a lot, but it's in some specific areas and it's an overvaluing in my mind of intelligence over other things like kindness. He's not, and he doesn't see any need for that and dismisses it, mm-hmm. but that's super important, arguably more important and more under oh, yeah. your control in some ways, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and, and relationships, he's not real good at that. But you also mentioned, you know, he does all that stuff while he's blacked out drunk which Mm -hmm. reminds me of another myth when keith was on talking about how alcohol dependence and other types of substance use problems are often presented as not really interfering with their work Mm -hmm. that much or they're hungover even in the defenders i noticed this which i still haven't finished the show but there's a scene where it's like jessica jones is hungover i'm like oh great they're depicting that she's hungover but it passes so quickly and then she's right back into it so he's not very impaired no. By his alcohol use. Only by, like, the one challenge where he says he's too he's too drunk to think of a challenge. And he tells him just to chew hoops or something. Oh, that's and right. And if they that's get, right. get a certain number of hoops, the bomb won't go off. Yeah. That's the only one, only real impairment. That's that right. Show. But the idea that he could even do something so elaborate while he has zero memory yeah. of it, where he's to that mm. point of intoxication where his memory is actually not being encoded. I mean, again, it's a cartoon, so right. we, want, we take some of it seriously as a way to talk about these things. But at the same time, it is 
I mean, a multi-dimensional, multiverse situation yeah, <laughs> that we're talking about here. So I want to, I want to recognize that. So, so in, so we talked a little bit about these different things. So in your conclusion in the report, what did you end up diagnosing him with? Uh, I ended up with an antisocial personality disorder and a, uh, an alcohol use disorder. So, and I'm thinking about this again now. Do they ever show Rick using other substances other than alcohol? That I was wondering, I thought maybe they did, uh, particularly maybe at like that party episode that he has. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think that's the finale of season one. But I couldn't remember well enough. I, I knew, we know that he has an alcohol use disorder. Whether or not he, there's other substances or it's a poly substance, that could be possible, but it wasn't clear based no, on No, I memory. don't remember that clearly. I have some vague memory of him mentioning it, but it didn't seem yeah. like as primary as the alcohol right, use. Right, absolutely, yeah. So, so anyway, uh, antisocial personality mm-hmm. disorder and an alcohol use disorder. Uh, considered narcissistic personality disorder, ended up not going with that. And I really had to kind of dig into the DSM a little bit and think about how do we conceptualize and think about those disorders. And the way the DSM talks about a narcissistic personality disorder is it really involves a pretty fragile sense of self-esteem and sense of self. And so that doesn't fit Rick that well. He, he Mostly. You could probably, you could maybe convince me that's true. I'm thinking about the Vindicators episode where he's kind of annoyed that they're not recognizing how yeah. awesome he is and sets up that whole thing just to thank the little uh, custodial worker like for yes. laughing at his jokes. Yes. So you could maybe make a case for narcissistic personality disorder too. I ended up not just based on the way I was kind of thinking about it, but you could convince me of it. You know, I think that the way that you talk about it in the post though and to highlight here for people who haven't read it, is really important though which is people who have antisocial personality disorder tend to be high on narcissism those Mm -hmm. personality traits tend to go together as a trait when we're talking about the specific disorder when you look at what's has traditionally been called cluster b personality disorders which are antisocial personality disorder narcissistic personality disorder histrionic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder p.s future episode on borderline Mm -hmm. personality disorder they're the personality disorders that are kind of characterized generally through erratic and dramatic behavior and people who have one of those often meet diagnostic criteria for the other but some of what the dsm cautions against is that it's because of double dipping right Mm -hmm. impulsivity appears in most Mm -hmm. of those Uh, grandiosity you see across those two things and so in my general way of training if you can explain it better through one disorder Mm -hmm then you stick with that. Now, if someone clearly meets for both and it's clinically meaningful mm. in how you approach them, it makes sense to do both. But I don't know. I'm kind of wary about double yeah. diagnosing someone when one disorder seems to really capture that. And including, like I said, like a lot of, there you see a lot of grandiosity and narcissism mm-hmm. within that in terms of not, uh, in terms of the self-centeredness, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, but I could see someone arguing that for sure but he definitely has the behaviors that narcissistic personality disorder even though those individuals often are arrogant entitled and and those types of things they don't necessarily have these aggressive or more criminal Mm. behaviors that's not really part of the overall picture of it so anyway i thought i thought that was good and then um alcohol use disorder too and what were some what are the symptoms of that because i think this is one of the ones where I think that, whoops, just sorry for the noise, folks. I 
I'm often fiddling with things while we're on the podcast, which isn't really great. But um, but anyway, I think that alcohol use disorder, like some of the common perceptions of it are that it is characterized by things like if you have alcohol when you first wake up in the morning mm. and or if you drink alone, but the DSM has some specific features of it. And um, maybe, I don't know if it's worth highlighting like some of the ones that Rick exhibits. Sure. Uh, yeah, let's do that. I okay. have the blog pulled up, and we oh, have great. the DSM-2 just in case we want to uh, look at all of them. Um, so one that I thought that uh, I felt like Rick. So the problem with some of these alcohol use disorder ones is some of them require there to be recurrent uh, patterns of behavior. And sometimes for, when I was kind of writing this up, I had to make a little bit of an inference because I assumed if we saw it once, it was probably likely that it happened again. Um, so... Some of it might not be. There might not be explicit multiple examples. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. And I. I mean, that's one of the things about what we're doing, right? You just get yeah. a snapshot of the behavior. Yeah. Anyway, usually when we're trying to diagnose this, you might ask the individual about their behavior or someone that knows them well as mm -hmm. another informant, and that can be especially helpful with personality stuff and substance use because sometimes, especially if the person doesn't want to be in therapy yeah. or something like that, they might. It might be hard for them to report or they might choose to minimize some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, in that way it is similar, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one of the criteria that Rick, I thought clearly meets is, uh, alcohol is often taken in larger amounts over a longer period of time than was intended. Um, so I thought I was thinking about the vindicators episode specifically where I don't know, like particularly because he was so impaired that he wasn't really able to continue doing what he intended. I think maybe he didn't plan to become that intoxicated. That was kind of my thought process for that one. Yeah. 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 And so it kind of gets at that idea of uh, not having control over right. yourself. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I thought that was at least one explicit example. There yeah. Probably more. I was really testing my memory for Rick and Morty when I was thinking about these. Yeah. Because it's not like a main... I mean, it is a feature in that he's recurrently drunk or recovering from its mm. effects, but it's not like that's what the show is about. Exactly. Or and I think he... I think... I might be wrong, but I think that sort of that green stuff is actually vomit in, in his mm -hmm. lips because yeah. he's always, I think the idea is he's always a little intoxicated and yeah. like, or coming or like recovering from being very intoxicated. Mm -hmm. I might be thinking about that wrong, but that's kind of how No, I'm that that's it. what I was thinking yeah. too. Okay. So if we both think that, then it's probably true. it's right. Yeah. yeah. For most things. Uh, <laughs> so the next one that I was thinking about is continued alcohol use to, uh, despite having persistent or recurrent social or interpersonal problems uh, caused or exacerbated by the effects of alcohol. Um, so, I, particularly for that one, what I was thinking about is, um, uh, which episode is it? Oh, it's in the episode where the aliens are trying to steal, um, Rick's, what are they trying to steal? Some formula that he has. I can't remember specifically. And, uh, Rick is convinced that Morty might be a simulation and, like, drunkenly threatens him with a knife, I think? No. Yeah. So, not great, and definitely causes some social impairment and some, like, social difficulties, but he continued to drink after that, so despite that, and other instances like that, so. Yeah, that's another, right, it gets to that, like, lack of control if you're mm -hmm. having, loss of control, if you're having more of it than you intend, and in addition to that, if you keep using it despite having these negative consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another diagnostic criteria that I thought Mick, uh, not Rick, oh, jeez, but yes, Rick, not Mick, jeez. Uh, that Rick met was uh, recurrent alcohol use in situations in which it is likely to be physically hazardous. In the pilot episode, Rick is flying his spaceship, 
with Morty and is going to set off a neutrino bomb to get a fresh start. That's dangerous. Definitely Activity. physically dangerous, yeah. And I think the spaceship crashes because Morty tries to grab the steering wheel, so... That is uh, definitely an indicator of a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I'm no clinical psychologist, but that <laughs> seems problematic. <laughs> I am, actually. I don't, I, just, I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, I'm no expert in, Rick Sanchez, but yeah. <laughs> I don't specialize in addiction. I don't know. I haven't really worked I like this that, out. I like that joke. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm blowing up. <laughs> uh, I'm going to just start repeating Fraser jokes. Well, I like that too, though, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, this is a piece of collateral information that I thought was just related to it. Um, Rick's best friend, Bird Person, tells Morty that uh, Rick is just in an incredible amount of pain and uses alcohol to numb himself. And if, this isn't related to any specific diagnostic criteria, but it was related to alcohol use. And actually tells Morty that the wubba lubba dub dub catchphrase actually means I'm in great pain, please help me. So this is so interesting, too, and we talked about this with our myth podcast episode about substance use disorders when Keith was on is that is what what kind of from a storytelling perspective the substance use is supposed Mm -hmm. to mean and it is often meant to signify distress or Mm -hmm. great thought or something like that and I think that's tempting with a character who's not nice to Mm -hmm. believe that again goes back to the Mm -hmm. idea that deep down he's suffering Mm -hmm. it's hard to know if that's true or not it's not totally clear as much as, like, I think that was my bias when I was first writing mm-hmm. this. I don't know if that's actually right. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he is doing that, like, if he, say, has depression or some kind right. of other emotional pain, then obviously that would fit with that for sure, that he's he's actually could, he's making things worse, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of, like, it romanticizes it a little bit, it doesn't does. it? It does. Yeah, which isn't great. It does. Like, it's, you know... It's because the other, sometimes it's because people, maybe he just, since he is kind of prone to boredom and is kind of seeks Mm -hmm. sensational stuff, that's another motivation for people Mm -hmm. using substances. So maybe he just is less bored when Mm -hmm. he's intoxicated, or maybe he's trying to avoid withdrawal symptoms, Mm -hmm. or who knows what it is, but it doesn't necessarily have to be coping with negative Mm -hmm. mood. I think a lot of people view that, and that certainly is true for some people, but that's not always the case, Mm -hmm. that it's a self-medication type Mm -hmm. situation. I read another fan theory online, too, which I guess what we're writing here is a fan theory, so I can't discredit other fan theories too much, can I? Uh, You might remember the episode where Rick talks about how his, like, because he's the most intelligent being in the universe, he's his mind has a special wave that it sends out, and that there's the Morty wave, which cancels it out and asks him. I don't know if you remember that part specifically. No. It's very insulting to Morty. Mm-hmm. Basically just implies that's the only reason he keeps Morty with him, is to mask his intelligence with the Morty wave. Oh, that's cold. Uh, yeah, pretty rude. Um, but another idea that people had was the alcohol is another, like, it's a, to mask his intelligence a little bit by kind of lowering some of his huh. cognitive faculties a little bit. So... Which I thought was a, just a very interesting idea. Yeah, but. that is an interesting, you know, like if he feels so different from other people mm-hmm. or something. Or, yeah. But it also gets to that idea that people who are more highly intellectual, like they're more aware and therefore more away, acutely aware of pain or yeah. maybe more susceptible to depression. I'm not saying that never happens. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. But it's having negative mood is not like something that just is automatically correlated with yeah. high intellect or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. People of all within the range of intellect mm-hmm. are susceptible to negative mood and to depression. So. And it goes back 
it's kind of like the tortured artist yes. trope. That's what it kind of looks like, but it's the yeah. tortured intellect. You read my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what popped into my head, too. Yeah, that, yeah, that this world is not meant for them and this is how they cope, which is more appealing than, like, he's just super impulsive mm-hmm. and reckless mm-hmm. and, like, it's more fun for him to be mm-hmm. drunk or something. Yeah, that's not quite as compelling. No, it's not as But good. that is a major reason as many of us know, that people get intoxicated. absolutely. Just to have more fun versus Mm -hmm. to dull pain. Again, it could happen, and maybe we'll learn more as this season progresses, you know. I suspect that the uh, show creators will never give that to us. That's my guess. I think you're right, right? Because, like, I was asking about something yesterday and it ended up in, like, these Reddit discussion boards, and there are a lot of theories about stuff, and it does seem like they don't directly answer some things, Mm. you know? Even, like, I think they even, like, to tease us that they're going to give us more meaning, even in, like, the Vindicators episode, where it sets up that Morty, he's going to really tell Morty, like, thank you so much, and it's just not Morty yes. at all. I think the writers are, are more likely to do that to us for the rest of the show than to ever give us, like, the satisfying, like, yes, Rick does care. I don't think we'll ever get that. Yeah, which is one of the, I think, draws of this show, that mm. it is it does violate the expected narratives, yeah. you know? So you don't... It's not predictable. No. A lot of shows are super predictable. Mm-hmm. This one is really unique, and yeah. so that's why it's fun. To, at least one of the reasons I like watching mm-hmm. it a lot. So, anything else about alcohol or the so. diagnosis? The, some of the other criteria might be met. Uh, so it's just a, a matter of, like, the show, even though the episodes are short and there aren't that many, they're just so packed with so much detail that it's possible I miss some, some of the other criteria that might be present. But we do, yeah, and I encourage people to look at the post again if you want to also see more details that that, um, Brandon identified for for this post. But the basic gist of someone having an alcohol use disorder is that they have a problematic use within a time frame of 12 months in the DSM where they are not they're having some lack of the ability to control how much they're drinking and that it's causing distress and or impairment in some way negatively affecting their life and they continue to use it and that can manifest in a variety of different ways we talked about some of them with rick but for other people it can be things like they have a health problem and the drinking makes it much worse and they keep drinking or they i mean he does seem to have this where he spent a lot of time as you mentioned in activities where he's drinking using and recovering from its effects and stuff like that. So it, it can show in different ways, but the theme running through it is basically mm-hmm. what I just mentioned. One thing that we wanted to kind of close off the episode with, too, and I think we have enough for one more Rick and Morty episode, especially oh, yeah. um, Lauren, had, who has been a great Twitter consult for Rick and Morty and other things, was asking about that episode where they go to that spa oh, and separate, yeah. and why does Rick view the part that cares about Morty as part of his toxic mm-hmm. self. So stay tuned if you're interested in that. Let's t- We'll talk about that next episode and some yeah, other things. I think that's a great idea, yeah, because that is a really interesting uh, thing that they sort of sneak in there. It's a little bit right at the end there, but I think it's pretty vital to the characterization of Rick. Yeah, and link to some of the personality stuff that we just yeah. talked about. So we'll explore that more next time, I promise. But one thing we did want to mention before in this episode is just so if those are the diagnoses that Rick has. In terms of therapy, what kind of approach would you take with Rick if he would go to therapy? 
Yeah, I'm convinced, and you can even see in the blog post uh, my under the follow-up section, I just wrote Rick and never came back to therapy. Yeah. Yeah, so treating antisocial personality disorder, of course, is, can be challenging. And there's even some evidence, and I linked to it too, and it, we linked to it also in the post that you wrote about uh, Will Hunting, which is a, another great post that sort of touches upon this idea that some of the therapeutic techniques that we have can actually be harmful and might even lead to like better ability to manipulate people. Especially like if they have psychopathy. Right. So that's one of the reasons a psychopathy that's checklist right, yeah. is so helpful because when you're seeing people with antisocial personality disorder, there is some research specifically showing if you that you can work on certain things like anger problems mm -hmm. or substance use problems, and you should, but one ought to be careful if psychopathy is on board because you might, the therapist might be unaware that they're actually uh, they're training the client to be more effective mm -hmm. socially, right? Training them in social skills, but they might use them harmfully. Yes. And so there is, there are some studies showing that it backfires. Mm -hmm. And so, and again, that's also in our video where we talk about yes. Darth Vader and kind of talk about the approaches. It seems like antisocial personality disorder, one of the most effective approaches, at least for preventing mm -hmm. some of the behavior associated with it, not necessarily disorder, is intervening with youth with multisystemic mm -hmm. therapy, which is essentially something that if there's an adolescent who has been convicted of crimes, you go and you look at the system surrounding them, their family, their school, their neighborhood, and you intervene it's a very comprehensive therapy that has been shown to reduce criminal offenses. So that's extremely brief, but we'll link to it if you want to know more. And uh, that part's tough. But with alcohol, and also some of the things you mentioned, like people who have antisocial personality disorder, sometimes they present for treatment mm -hmm. and they're motivated to change because they can have a lot of negative mood mm -hmm. about some of the things that are happening. Other times, if they're forced because they're court-ordered or a family member's making them they may be less invested. Yes. But that actually bridges nicely into what might be a good treatment for alcohol use disorder. There's a variety of them. We mm -hmm. thought we'd talk about one of the lesser known mm -hmm. today. Particularly, we're going to be talking uh, really briefly. We're, om we're almost to an hour, so we were, uh -oh. going to, we were going to go into more detail. But darn it, Frasier. We got so distracted <laughs> It's the Frasier problem. I wonder, maybe... Are we going to turn this into a four-episode Rick and Morty thing? Have we ever done a four-part one just with myths? That's true. Well, rather than speedily go I... through a whole new <laughs> type of therapy that at least I was completely unfamiliar with until I started graduate mm -hmm. school, maybe we should save that for the next episode. That sounds like a good idea. So there will probably be at least one more Rick and Morty episode, potentially two. Potentially two, yeah. Because there's so much stuff Yes. to get to but yeah yeah you're hearing the process on air folks yeah it's just uh this is it this is podcasting it is unedited <laughs> here it is unfiltered. Really, it's true uh because even if i wanted to i couldn't make this transition smoother i don't <laughs> i don't possess the audio editing capabilities so someday when we get enough followers that we can hire someone to cut this out That'll be a good day. Till then, That's not it's a behind-the-scenes look. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're at 55 minutes, so I think okay. that's a good idea. Uh, next week, for sure, we'll talk about motivational interviewing, and maybe, if we have time, talk about Frasier a little bit more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and if we have time after that. Hey, someone's got to pick up where Kevin Smith left off. Sure, he's busy, but his Frasier podcast... 
Someone's just gotta yeah. gotta take the baton and run with it. I like I said, I heard Fraser Files did, but I haven't listened to it almost out of protest. There was a friendly rivalry between them. Yeah. Well, friendly on one side. I don't know how friendly it was. Because yeah. the podcast didn't continue, so I right. can't keep up. But anyway, sure. the point is this is not a Fraser podcast. No. <laughs> just... And we will talk more about Rick and Morty. It's not a Fraser podcast, but it is a Fraser heavy podcast. <laughs> This episode more yeah, so than other. It's true. So anyway, we, we will talk about Motivational Envy and we'll talk about the toxic Rick and why that part of him is the part that cares about Morty. And we'll maybe talk about other questions if folks have questions about specific yeah. characters or specific episodes or something like that. Yeah, we'll come back to it. So we'll link to a bunch of stuff that we only briefly mentioned yes. if you want to check out more. And keep sending us questions because we're apparently going to have a, at least one more Rick and Morty episode. Absolutely. Uh, other thing to note, uh, if you haven't checked out any of the other shows on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network, they're all very good. That, of course, is the network that Jenny Council belongs to. Um, as a part of some inter-show collaboration, we've been doing a little bit of streaming. I think that's going to continue uh, Monday nights, 8 o'clock Central. Uh, I've got a poll up asking what games people want to see for next week. Uh, Katie was kind enough to join the chat. So it was we, fun, and I yeah. really have very limited information about video games, mm -hmm. but I enjoyed watching it. I thought yeah. it was fun, and it was kind of fun to have some discussion with Kat from Geeks Family and Therapy mm -hmm. and Jose Cardona from most shows on the Geek Therapy yes. Network. Yeah, no, that was great. And, like, the conversation by itself, like, turned into, like, mental health talk. which it did. Not totally unexpected given the audience, but I thought it was a lot of fun, and I'd love to have other people join. So yeah, I, that was really fun. Yeah, if you have so. time, uh, come check that out. And other than that, uh, if you like the show, we'd love it if you could just take a second and leave a review. That's how other people can learn about the show and how we can kind of adjust the show to what people like, maybe don't like as much, maybe less Frasier, more Frasier. We'll never <laughs> know unless you leave a review. So. Other than that, uh, any closing thoughts, Katie, before we sign off? No, I just hope you all are having a wonderful week, and we're just grateful that you listen and interact with us. Absolutely. It means a lot. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks so much for listening, and you'll hear from us next week.